you get the very first Indian serious criticism of the different aspects of Islam, both its theology and its history, in the works of Ram Sarup and Sitaram Gohal. The really fundamental thought work was initially done by Ram Sarup. He, I mean, he was not a sensational character. He was not, uh, he did not do any TV de debates or anything. And if it hadn't been for Goalji and his founding the publishing house, Voice of India, maybe not much would have heard, been heard of Ram Sarup. In the whole uh, literature about India's communal conflict, uh, there is hardly any talk of Goalji. His name is very rarely mentioned. Even in the, the, the latest uh, crop, there's a lot more literature recently about the communal situation. Even there the name Goalji, let alone the name Ram Saruji, is very rare. Right, so we begin in the uh, midst of time when uh, for centuries on end the uh, Hindu society was besieged and sometimes violently subjected by um, Islam and by Christianity. And strangely, there never was any intellectual response from Hinduism. Of course, there was fighting, there was heroic fighting, there was dying. There were victories and defeats, but nobody cared to study why these Muslims were behaving the way they did. With Christianity, it was a little bit more already since the 18th, 17th maybe century in South India, uh, where uh, particularly the Jesuits actually sought out occasions to debate with the Hindus, so that some Hindus also wrote some tracts against Christianity. Uh, this is mostly in, in Tamil or one of the local languages. Uh, it's only in the British period that there were also attempts in English. And um, so they were interesting. They were perhaps from a modern viewpoint not very deep. Uh, but all right, there with Christianity, there was a certain interaction, though it never reached the ground public, never reached the policy makers. In the case of Islam, there was nothing at all. The first study of Islam is one chapter in the Satyartha Prakash by Dayanan Saraswati, which is about 1875. And that too is, uh, is, is quite unsophisticated. It's just noting that uh, Islam, is, you know, Muhammad was not exactly a role model, that there is uh, quite some uh, violence in the Quran and also quite some lasciviousness in the life of the Prophet. Uh, the first real... Um, Real study of Islam, again, not very big, but very much an attempt to, to do it right, to do it thoroughly, was by Pandit Lekram in the 1890s, and he, for his services, got murdered. And this happened several times over, so the Arya Samaja decided to defend Hinduism against its enemies, and so it studied both Islam and Christianity, but... In the case of Islam, 
this uh, did not lead to much except the murder of the writers. Uh, you have in 1926 the murder of Swami Sharadhananda. I think that is the most important of these events because Swami Sharadhananda was very clear-sighted. He really uh, wanted to go uh, to, to, to take on the challenges that Hindu society was facing. Uh, but And so he, he very much invested in the Shudhi movement, which is the reconversion of Muslims to their ancestral faith. So the Muslims didn't like that they killed him. And because of this murder, the uh, Article 295A was uh, instituted, which says that you can't insult religions. Of course, the British who made that law discussed among one another should we have this, because in England everybody is free to discuss religion, to attack the Pope, and you know to have all kinds of debates about religion. And so, why not for Indians? Well, the reason was very patronizing, namely that Indians are too immature, too emotional. You see, Englishmen can disagree and have a debate and then go home, be friends again. Whereas Indians take it all too serious, they become violent, and so for their own good we have to prevent them from going into this. So that has a, a sort of Damocles that has later hung over the head of our heroes. Uh, in fact, myself, I also have some, uh, some experience with it when they spirited me out of this country for fear that after a speech of mine about Islam, some Muslims in the audience would go to the police to, uh, to take revenge on me. And it is because Ram, uh, Sita Ram Goel had told me that I should avoid this at all costs, that I complied and left the country. Anyway, so where are we now? Um, so criticizing the enemies of Hinduism was dangerous, was risky. But moreover, it went out of fashion. You see, after Swami Dayanand, fairly soon after, by 1920, the whole political space was taken over by Mahatma Gandhi with his talk of uh, equal truth of all religions. And so this was even long before Nehru with his Western-style secularism. Uh, but then again, Mahatma Gandhi was also Western-style, based on Tolstoy, on Faulkner, um, and so at any rate, uh, you know, the, the debate about Western or, you know, Indian, that's something for nationalists. I, I don't deal with that. But you see, at any rate, it was totally upstream to start criticizing the enemies of Hinduism. And yet, and yet, you see, when independence was achieved, in which... Ram Swarup had taken a big role, uh, Sitaram Goel also. Ram Swarup was personally involved in the Quit India movement. Then later he worked as a secretary to Madeleine Slade, the uh, Western um, aide to Mahatma Gandhi. Um, so when independence came about and it was now time to address new issues, this old problem of Islam and Christianity came up again. And so um, Ram Sarup was the first to take this seriously. Sita Ram Goel, 
who was a study friend of his, both came from Haryana. Ram Sarup had studied economics, Sitaram Gol had studied his history. Uh, then um, Gualji was still enamored of communism. He was thinking of joining the Communist Party. Communism was older age in those days. And um, Ram Sarup had already outgrown it even before really getting serious about it. In Goel's case, it took a bit longer. Uh, but so their first energies were spent on a new enemy of Hinduism, namely communism. And so in the 50s, they uh, had founded this uh, Society for the Defense of Freedom in Asia, which published a number of studies of the performance of communism in the Soviet Union and in China. In fact, Goalji received a letter, which I have seen. I don't know if it still exists anymore. I wonder what happened to it. But um, a letter from Chiang Kai-shek, uh, you know, congratulating him and so on. Of course, nothing much came of it. But fortunately, the Chinese made the mistake, strategically speaking, of invading India. And uh, as Goalji said at the time, you see, already in 1962, now communism is, is, has lost its chance in India. Now there will never be sufficient Indians swayed by communism uh, to really make it a danger in India. It's still an enemy, but it's one that we can contain. Then um, both of them got more and more interested in the problem of Christianity and Islam. Uh, so the really fundamental thought work was initially done by Ram Swarup. He, I mean, he was not a sensational character. He was not, uh, he did not do any TV de debates or anything. And if it hadn't been for Goalji and his founding the publishing house, Voice of India, maybe not much would have heard, been heard of Ram Swarup. Um, at any rate, he was a very original thinker. And uh, he often saw problems in a new light. Like, for example, a famous story uh, written by Goalji about uh, a sage in whom everybody can recognize Ram Swarup. And so he, uh, he thinks about the difference between uh, the Soviet Union and the Americans. See, the two main powers that India had to choose from between or was trying to steer a course between, uh, although they, they were like non-aligned with the Soviet Union, if you understand the complicated expression. Anyway, so India was more on the Soviet side. But um, the... Uh, what, what Ram Swarup held was, usually it is said that the Soviet Union is a materialist in the Marxist sense and America is something else. Now, in fact, what he showed was that it's just the other way around. You see, the Americans think, and so very many Hindus and secularists still think about all kinds of problems, including Islam, but so then the main problem was communism. Uh, so they still think that 
just by providing material wealth, people will, you know, have an influence from that. You see, as if, as if an ideological influence damps up from material achievements. Uh, whereas the Soviets, they invested plenty in propaganda. They were very active trying to work on people's minds. You see, Mahatma Gandhi had worked on people's emotions, and we know now that he didn't get far. But the communists worked on people's minds. And effectively, though they were never very numerous, they influenced India in a very fundamental way, changing the whole self-definition, the self-understanding of Hinduism, changing the culture, changing the curriculum in education, and so on. So he gave this, uh, this simile. It is like a division of labor. First, the Americans come in with all their money, and they provide libraries. And then the Soviets come, and they fill the shelves of these libraries with their literature. Now, that more or less is the, uh, the difference between the right and the left in most parts of the world, and especially in India. You see, the right tries to get the economy going, you know, tries to create wealth and so on. The left concentrates on their ideology, spreading their ideology. And, you know, they, they parasitize on what the right has created. Anyway, so that's just one of these, one of these sharp insights that set Ram Swarup apart from uh, the rest of uh, the intelligentsia. So um, Goel took that up and sharpened that quite a bit, made it more um, a real-life uh, ideology that at that time, of course, was still marginal. He had a little publishing house. First through Biblia Impex, he already he was just a commercial publisher. Nevertheless, he published several things that, that uh, were important in the long run, like uh, the RSS story by Malkani. Goelji was not an RSS man, he was pro-Hindu, but not exactly RSS, but not exactly anti-RSS either. Uh, there are today, of course, very many people who to whom that description would fit. Now you have the Infinity Foundation, now you have the uh, Indic Academy and so on, who are all steering a course, you see, cooperating with the RSS once in a while, but essentially steering their own course. So that, you know, that was then true already. And um, so that's more or less to situate where they are. Oh, yes, and another important book he published in 1982, uh, at that time nobody knew yet how important it would become, was um, K.D. Setna's book, Karpasa. You know, I, I, I can't go into the Aryan invasion debate here, but Karpasa means cotton. And so K.D. Setna showed in that book that cotton already existed in the Harappan cities, but did not yet exist in the Veda. So therefore, the Veda was older than the Harappan cities, and not younger, as was always thought. So that really, that book was the start of the Aryan invasion debate. 
So this whole discussion that we're now spending plenty of time on, that many books are published on, that is recently raging again uh, with this, the genetic evidence and so on. A, a new, new phase in that debate has started. Uh, so that all came about ultimately because it was triggered by this book by K.D. Setna, who was the, the ex-secretary of Sri Aurobindo. Okay, um, but so then he started his own publishing house specifically for ideological work, Voice of India, originally really for publishing Ram Swarup's books. And um, then it, uh, the first books were collections of articles that had appeared mostly in uh, The Organizer. And there we started to get the Goalji that nowadays the Wikipedia and so on speak about, though still they don't speak about him very much, like in the whole uh, literature about India's communal conflict. Uh, there is hardly any talk of Goalji. His name is very rarely mentioned. Even in the, the, the latest uh, crop, there's a lot more literature recently about the communal situation. Even there, the name Goalji, let alone the name Ram Sarubji, is very rare. All right? Yet, you see, you can see their influence in these first little booklets, you see these little collections of articles only, you already find the core of their case against Christianity, against Islam, and against the general um, weakness and confusion within Hindu ranks. So, you get the very first Indian serious criticism of the different aspects of Islam, both its theology and its history in the works of Ram Sarup and Sitaram Gohal. Now, that's what I did then. Uh, I've personally been greatly influenced by it. I see that now, finally, that influence is catching on in larger circles. But in fact, that specific work of analyzing Islam, analyzing Christianity, analyzing the general situation of Hindu society today, uh, that has not really been continued, not in India. I mean, really, like the people I just mentioned, the Infinity Foundation or the Indic Academy do very useful work, very admirable, Nevertheless, they too don't take on the really hot potato of the confrontation with Christianity and Islam. It's so far only some individuals here and there who do so. Like for instance, Goalji had done very important work on uh, the Hindu temples that have been destroyed by Islam. This topic, of course, was put on the front pages by the Ayodhya affair. So he also wrote the white paper for the BJP about the Ayodhya affair because they had nobody capable of doing that. Uh, so he made himself useful, but then nothing much came of it. You see, the BJP was focused on its toy of this 
this one temple in Ayodhya and avoiding the deeper discussion of why did this happen? You see, because of Islamic iconoclasm. Now that they have always been avoiding. Like, for example, a line that you have heard the RSS BJP use a lot is that it's a question not of religion but of nationalism and that Rama was an Indian hero and that Babar was a foreign invader. Now, as Goalji has shown, that's not the problem at all. You see, the Greeks were foreign invaders, the Shakas, the Hunas and so on. They didn't destroy temples. The British, you know, the British have a lot to answer for. They wrecked this country economically. They destroyed its education system and so on. They have a lot to answer for, and yet they never destroyed temples. So if Babar did destroy temples, Babar and Mahmoud Ghaznavi and Mohammed Ghori and all the others, it is not at all because they were foreign. It is because they were motivated by Islam, because they took the Islamic injunctions serious. Fortunately or unfortunately, um, the Islam problem has recently started troubling Europe. And so there immediately a number of intellectuals have gone into action, have started doing the work that Goalji has been doing, analyzing the Quran, showing what verses, you know, spread hate, what verses uh, give injunctions to, uh, to attack the infidels, to kill the infidels if necessary, to subjugate them. And then in Indian history, you see what Islam has actually done. Uh, in Europe, so now this has gone in overdrive very fast. The, uh, all the Islamic scriptures have been analyzed. Everything has been brought to light that is troublesome in it. The whole history has been looked at closely. Of course, this is not in the school books. The school books are very like Islam whitewashing or at best just avoiding these problems. Uh, but at any rate, they are available. And now you see a development that wasn't there yet in, in, in their time, is the Internet that makes all their ideas accessible readily. And so many people drink in this influence, this critical attitude vis-à-vis -vis Islam or vis-à-vis -vis Christianity, uh, which also comes from the West to quite an extent, because in the West it's not only Christianity, there's a lot of atheism, free thinkers and so on, who are motivated to criticize Christianity. But so now you see much of this work is, uh, is available online. And now these ideas are spreading. You can download much of what Goalji and Ram Sarubji have written and so now with the younger generation, I see that finally people are picking this up. There is no real movement that says we are continuing the work of Ram Sarup and Sitaram Goel, but very many people are picking it up. And, and maybe there is a movement that is mainly inspired by them. I don't think you've ever heard of it, because it's not in India. In London, there is a group called Hindu Human Rights. And they are like 
totally uh, inspired by Ram Swarup and Sita Rangol. And so they also write about present affairs and their source of inspiration, the, the, the lens through which they analyze what happens today, clearly is provided by our, uh, our gurus. So, in an official sense, they had very little influence while they were alive. They still don't have influence. But then in an informal way, their influence is growing and growing and growing. So, uh, what I plan to do if, uh, you know, if Allah permits, is uh, to have a conference and to really go into this, you know, to ask some specific questions about uh, their work, how it was made possible, to collect also the testimonies of those who still knew them. We have to do that quickly before it's too late, before everybody's gone. But then really to analyze, you see, what their role has been, how they fit in the broad landscape of Indian ideology. You see, they have been very um, rarely given their due because both sides had an interest in not mentioning them. You see, on the, on the RSS-BJP side, once in a while they could use their services. Like for this white paper about Ayodhya. But they never gave them any publicity. Because they didn't want to draw attention to their more critical work. You see, they wanted to, to, to like wrest this, this mosque temple site from the Muslim community, but they didn't want to table the subject of Islamic iconoclasm that had caused this whole problem. They tried to, well, if I may use an expression used by Goalji himself, to get things on the cheap, you see, to, to get back this Hindu temple, but not do the necessary concomitant work of showing why is there this problem? Why do we have to beg for our own temple? All right. So those answers you all find in, in Gualji's work. And so the RSS BJP had an interest in downplaying that they would talk about it with their followers once in a while if they took the initiative. It was never the leaders who would take the initiative. So they gave them as little publicity as possible. In the obituary of Ram Swarup, the organizer profusely talked about his role as a freedom fighter, but said very little about his ideological work. So... So that's that side. Then on the other side, the secularist, the communist side, they also avoided them because they were so hard to answer. You see some of these Hindu chauvinists, you know, nowadays on Twitter and so on, they talk very inconsiderately, you know, and, and for them perhaps once in a while you could say, oh yeah, they spread hatred, they are violent and so on. You see, with... Ram Swarup and Sitarangol, you could never reduce them to that kind of thing. They gave very serious criticism 
You see, they pointed the finger where the real problems lay. And so people who were on the other side, they had an interest in downplaying or simply uh, avoiding the, uh, the confrontation that otherwise they would have to have with the, the arguments given by uh, Ram Swarup and Sitaram Goal. So, you see, everybody had an interest in not talking about them. I think now the time has come when it is possible to bring their worldview out in the open. Uh, to give everybody his due, I think Narendra Modi has done an incredible thing on the 5th of August by um, normalizing the situation around uh, Kashmir because he did nothing special, he did nothing Hindu chauvinist or so as Imran Khan yesterday has tried to portray it in the United Nations Assembly. Uh, what he did was simply to create a normal situation like exists everywhere in the world. There is no sovereign state that accepts not being allowed to go live in one of its own provinces. And so the Western left, who are always against uh, Narendra Modi, who prevented him, for example, from entering the United States after Godra, they suddenly discovered the value of borders. You see, not even of the border with Mexico and America, where they don't want a wall to be built and so on. No, even an internal border. They suddenly said, yes, you see, this border between Kashmir and, and the rest of India is an absolute precondition for democracy, for human rights. You can't have those things without, you know, this uh, special status of Kashmir. Well, you see, that has been normalized. You see, this nonsense has gone. And suddenly, Hindus have had a, an enormous boost of self-confidence. The first five years of Modi, on the Hindu front, nothing was being done. And so Hindus were getting really demoralized. You know, if even under Modi, even under, you know, with this big majority, we still can't do it, then maybe the game is up. And so now suddenly there is this boost of self-confidence. Now you see things have become possible. Things that not only our gurus, but even the RSS BJP has always clamored for, namely the... Uh, abolition of the discrimination against Hinduism uh, regarding education, regarding temple control. Uh, that has been the object of a, uh, first of all, of this Artha festival in the Indira Gandhi Center early this year, February, and then a conference in Aero City just last Saturday you know, that brought all kinds of Hindus together, not the RSS, not the VJP, VHP, not the ministers of this government, but a whole generation of new uh, thinkers who made the case for Hindu liberation, for Hindu progress, for Hindu self-assertion. And there the influence of Goalji and Ram Saruji was acknowledged. Uh, so there they are starting to have their effect and quite possibly uh, it will become very tangible. It will have a political effect and it will have a major effect 
on the life of Hindu society very soon. Now, there, and I will conclude with that, um, there, of course, is something for us to do. You see, the influence of Ram Sarup and Sitaram Goel may still die too soon. Maybe for the moment we have a little yeah, moment where, where it seems pertinent, but maybe it'll come to not, not. But maybe it won't. And so I think that now the time is ripe to to go for it, to um, to throw off the shackles, and to really uh, assert uh, Hinduness. And then you see one day. Uh, the streets in Delhi may be named after Ramsarup and Sitaram Goel, or you know other forms of recognition. But they never sought those forms of recognition. You see, now it's it's good that finally Hindus like like uh, like Swapandas Gupta, like David Frawley, and so on get this Padma Bhushan. That's all very fine. That it's not Mother Teresa this time. But uh, you see, they never got that kind of honor, and that's certainly not what they did it for. And so I think Hindus have to control a bit their tendency to glorify people rather than achieve things. You see, what they wanted was that finally uh, Hindu society would be saved from its own downward slide that has been going on for quite some time. So. You know, I, I absolutely don't want to talk too much about their person. They themselves didn't want that. They themselves wanted to do something for Sanatana Dharma. So I think we can proceed along those lines. Thank you. <laughs>